This is Steady Habits, a Connecticut Mirror podcast. It's where we take a look at life here in the land of steady habits, what works, what doesn't, and how to make things work just a little bit better. I'm John Dankosky. Thanks so much for joining me. We've talked about it on the show before. A potential positive of the pandemic for Connecticut is the newfound attractiveness of living outside of major cities like New York and Boston. Just last month, Governor Ned Lamont stood in the rain next to a U-Haul truck to tout the buying boom in the state of Connecticut. More people are coming to Connecticut than ever before. Tens of thousands of people have moved or changed their address to the state of Connecticut in the last few months. Uh, and they're, they're buying, they're renting, and they're building. But in a state where housing prices are already high and the stock of affordable housing is already too low, these bidding wars with fleeing New Yorkers have been driving up the price of single-family homes, and that makes it even harder for many Connecticut residents to buy. So what's the outcome of all this? Well, among the many wide gaps between rich and poor, and between racial groups that Connecticut is pretty known for, this gap in home ownership is one of the biggest. Jacqueline Rabe Thomas of the Connecticut Mirror dug into this issue for our series, A Better Deal, Exploring Inclusive Economic Recovery. Jacqueline Rabe Thomas, welcome back to Steady Habits. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. You've been writing a lot over the course of the last year plus about affordable housing. And in this piece, you focus in on the importance of home ownership. Why did you want to make sure this was a focus of some of your reporting? So I've spent a considerable amount of time writing about affordable housing, but it's always struck me that the bulk of that affordable housing is geared at rental units and building rental units. And so everything that I've read has been that one of the best ways to build wealth in this country is through homeownership. And so it's always struck me as an area that needed further exploring on, you know, why are we building rental units um, so heavily as opposed to facilitating the construction of homeownership or renovating blighted properties in underserved communities to make those more appealing to people. What do we know about homeownership in 2020 as a, as a driver of of wealth as something that will actually be better for people than renting a property. So what we know is that you know there are a lot of studies that show that home ownership is a great avenue towards wealth building in this country. You're able to take out a home equity loan to help pay for your kids' college. You're able to sell your home and transfer that wealth to your children when you pass away. There is a line of thinking and a philosophy of why are we putting so much stock into home ownership? That's it's counter to what many other countries do. Um, but this is the this is the economy that we live in. This is the setup that we live in. And so in in Connecticut and across the U.S., home ownership is the path to, to wealth building. It is a main path to wealth building. And what I found is that in Connecticut, it is not an equal path. It's a much harder path for certain communities, um, for people to own a home in and certain populations. In Connecticut, white people are twice as likely to own a home than are Black or Latino individuals. 
And how does that stack up with the rest of the country? Inside your store, you've got a, a map that, that shows some of these disparities in home ownership, and it seems pretty stark, not just in Connecticut, but in a lot of the Northeast. Yeah, so in Connecticut, we have one of the largest disparities in the country um, among homeownership between different populations. We come in 47th place for the gap between Latinos and white individuals. We come in 46th place for mixed race couples. Um, and we come in 18th place for black homeownership. So we are not doing well as far as making homeownership within the, the reach of many individuals. And I should mention that it's not just a fact that we have just really high rates of white homeownership. We actually come, we are actually on par with the national average on white homeownership. The problem is that our Latino residents here in Connecticut have really low homeownership rates. We come in almost dead last for that. Um, so it's not just an issue of, hey, our, our white residents are owning at much higher rates. It's an issue that we're leaving many people behind as well. So what are the big reasons you're finding for that, Jackie, given the fact that, as you've reported for such a long time here for The Mirror, there are problems with building affordable housing in suburbs, which leads to some of these big disparities in terms of uh, Black and Latino residents in communities outside the cities. Are some of those same factors the factors that are keeping the home ownership rates so low? Connecticut has some really high housing costs in certain communities. Um, perfect example is that if a town requires two acres to build a single family home, well, guess what? That home's going to be a lot more expensive than a town where you only needed a quarter of an acre or you only needed an eighth of an acre. And so there's several different towns that require those huge barriers to cross just as far as owning land or having parking requirements or, you know, the list could go on and on and on. Um, Connecticut has the largest wealth disparities and is among the most segregated places in the country. And places like Fairfield County is the, are the most segregated places in the country. And Fairfield County is the most economically segregated place in the country as well. So you have really big problems that arise by having such huge cost to entry into certain communities. But as you report in this story, the problem of home ownership isn't just related to certain communities that are far too expensive for people to live in. Home ownership rates are pretty low in Connecticut cities as well. Yeah, so the cities face a different problem. That that lack of exclusionary zoning often means that those are the places where affordable housing is built. And so in places like Frog Hollow, you have communities that have 70% restricted set-aside housing just for low-income individuals. And not just low-income in individuals, but significantly low-income in low individuals. So that there's a certain penetration of low-income housing that before it really starts to mess with the market. And so in places like Frog Hollow, um, you have a situation where you have so much affordable housing being built there. It's not an attractive investment for a homeowner or it's not an attractive investment for developers to, to think about flipping homes just because the market is so suppressed there. Um, you also have an issue in Connecticut cities that Connecticut has among the oldest housing stock in the country period. And so you have situations where people are really living in really subpar living conditions because those houses have not been renovated. They're blighted, they're boarded up. Um, 
And so because of the suppressed housing market, they're not a, they're not attractive to a homeowner who's looking to purchase a home. Look, when I was looking to purchase a home, um, would I have bought a home in, in a certain community for $200,000 that needed a hundred thousand dollar renovation just to make it livable so that my kid doesn't have asthma so that I don't, I'm not exposed to all the harmful chemicals that when that were put in place when that house was built a century ago or decades ago? No, I probably wouldn't because I will never get back that $300,000. It's not a good investment. And so what happens is you you have people who are just really committed to the community who, who decide to, yeah, I'm going to live there. It's worth, I'm, I'm not, I don't see home ownership in this community as an investment. I see it as this is my community. This is where I want to live. Or you have a situation where you have absentee landlords who are purchasing these properties and not doing anything with them, letting their their tenants live in really bad conditions, and they're not being really great enforcement to, to force it otherwise. An individual that I spoke with, Deline Falcon, she explained to me her sort of dilemma. Early on, she was driving around this neighborhood she really wanted to live in. And she had just sort of consigned that, you know, probably I'm not going to purchase a home in this community that meets the standards that I think I deserve and my family deserves that I'm going to, it's going to be a fixer upper. And she was consigned to, you know, losing money on that, on that end of the bargain. And then she came across this home where there was a state pilot program where they did decide to invest some money to, to sort of flip the house, to make it a a good investment for her. Um, And so she found a house, one of four on this one block in Hartford where they flipped the house and, you know, did that, that, upfront renovation so that it was healthy for her so that her little son Samuel didn't have asthma from the asbestos or the mold that was building up in that house prior. So that did, that did, uh, that made the decision for me easier to purchase uh, the home. It was a beautiful home, fell in love with the home, a lot of work was done so it. So this is literally a dream home, literally in every sense. Uh, it's more than I dream of, to be honest. I, I didn't dream of being able to own something that's beautiful. And so um, she's really she's really proud of the house that she was able to buy. But she's one of the few that is able to buy a house in a good condition in that neighborhood for all the reasons I already stated. You have her telling a, a really touching story about how she saw the the power of people actually being able to own a home. We, we talked a bit about wealth generation, what it means to an individual or an individual family to be able to purchase a home. But as as you outlined with her story, Jackie, it really means a lot to the community, right? To have people owning the homes on the block. Yeah. So having people owning homes on the block, they're invested in that community. They will, the way that she put it to me is I'm not going to let somebody, you know, do drugs in front of my kid on the front stoop um, or on someone else's property. They're more engaged. They're more, it's their neighborhood. Um, Senator John Funfair, who represents this area, he, um, for a long time in the state Senate, he's the co-chairman of the Powerful Budget Finance and Revenue Committee. Um, He also grew up in public housing. The way he describes it is living somewhere versus staying somewhere. And the goal is to try to get it where people feel like this is where I live. I care about the school. I care about, you know, you know, there's a drug dealer on the corner versus this is, I'm just staying here. I'm not going to do those. I'm not going to care about those things as much or at all because I know I'm just staying here. So home ownership, home ownership, I'm not saying that's the panacea, but there needs to be a balance. And um, 
and that the Department of Housing, this is not on the Department of Housing's radar screen, I can tell you right now. And you, you talked with uh, another woman who's searching for a home in, in the New Haven area, Jennifer Quay Hudson. What's her story? So Jennifer, she really, you know, she grew up in the neighborhood where she decided to purchase with her husband. We were both born and raised here. We met here. We went to high school here. Um, and my mom, my grandmother, my sister, and my brother all sort of live in a... Um, maybe like 15 block radius and then his grandparents and all of his cousins are here too and so we wanted to we wanted to be in a place where as the kids get older we can be like go walk to your grandmother's house you know she cast her net really far to see to just just to see when she first started looking for a home to see what her options were she always was a fan of moving back to a disinvested community. She didn't want to be one of the people who was leaving the second that they got a little bit of opportunity. Um, And so when she um, decided to start looking for a home, it happened to be when COVID happened. And it also happened to be when the market wasn't, um, there's a hot housing market that's going on right now because a lot of New Yorkers are fleeing here. There's fewer homes on the market, et cetera. Um, so housing costs are actually going up. There's bidding wars going on. She got quickly priced into a neighborhood that she was always open to moving into, but it soon became one of her only options of where she wanted to live. Jackie, before I let you go, you, you talked a bit about Senator Fonfara and some of the people who see this as a real issue. What's being done at the state capitol? What's being done at the state level to try to improve the situation to get more people into home ownership in the state? Um, so I'm not too sure there is acknowledgement that this is a problem. Hmm. Um, shortly after Remax um, Realty, they released a survey. They do a monthly survey of sort of the, the housing market and Connecticut's Hartford region came in third place in the nation for housing sales. Um, the governor and several legislators, they had a press conference in front of a U-Haul um, as staged behind them of people are moving back into Connecticut. Um, people really are seeing this place as a place they want to live. But the reality is when you look at the data behind that Remax Realty um, or just talk to realtors, you'll find out that real people are getting into bidding wars and they're getting priced out of the market. Um, and so the, the sort of a catch-22 for the very reason why you, it, housing is a good investment of housing prices going up, um, it's also hurting people who are being left behind who aren't able to get into that market and, and get on that uptick. Um, and so, you know, I don't know how much this is an issue. Senator Fonfara said to me, it's not even on the state's radar. Um, yeah, to be determined whether this economic crisis will put it on their radar. Jacqueline Rabe Thomas writes about housing and many other issues for the Connecticut Mirror. Her story about home ownership in the state is part of Connecticut Mirror series, A Better Deal, Exploring Inclusive Economic Recovery. Jackie, always good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Bruce Potterman, Kyle Constable, and Beth Hamilton. George Mastrianus and Dave Swanson recorded our Steady Beats at Legend Studios in Avon, Connecticut. Remember that there's a newsmatch donation until the end of the year. That means you have an opportunity to make your dollars, which support the Connecticut Mirror, go just a little bit further. Go to our website, ctmirror.org, and just click Donate. You can make a donation to support the work that Jackie's doing and all the other great reporting that you read in the Mirror. Thanks so much. I'm John Dankosky, 
and we'll talk to you soon.